Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of The Front Free, the football podcast from me, Adam Boltwood, the one and only Lawrence McKenna. I've got um, dinner here, and Dave had raspberries on the way. Oh, it was fantastic. I was listening to rap music. I am such a gangster. There's, 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 there's a lovely bit that happens before and after the podcast where we all WhatsApp each other. Oh, it's lovely. It was lovely. Uh, you've, done yeah, your, lovely. you've done your intro there, Dave. But, um, you yeah. know, raspberries and, rap. <laughs> raspberries and rap. That's a normal Wednesday night for Dave. Anyway, welcome to episode 16. Uh, there is no comment of the week this week because there wasn't a, a, a nice comment slagging off Lawrence. But, um, you know, if you want to... Interesting. Send I saw in, lots of other ones slagging you off, mate. Mate, Ooh. that is a lie. Yeah, Adam Ships, absolute... perhaps Adam should rename the podcast the front 3 a.m. on oh, Thursday. Oh, that, that was a good one, yeah. I should also say Lawrence is a narcissistic twat. Um, okay, you found some good ones. But yeah, I know, right? if you do want to send us abuse or uh, nice things, you can do it. I don't want abuse. Uh, well, not necessarily for you, but I mean, for me, you can insult the way I say the word three. I said it properly there, so you Ooh. can't take the piss. Uh, if you want to send us any suggestions or comments or anything like that, on Twitter, at the front free, with the number three, not the word. Um, also on iTunes and SoundCloud if you want to listen there, all that good stuff. Anyway, guys, I wanted to get into this episode this week. A couple of days away from the start of the season. Very exciting times. So I thought we could do a little season preview, asking, you know, what's going to happen this season, who's going to win the league, etc., etc. So, who is going to win the Premier League and why? Dave O'Brien, I'll come to you first. Hit me. Chelsea, because of one man, and that is Eden Hazard. I think he's absolutely streets ahead of every other player in the Premier League. He's absolutely fantastic. He's going to get better. He's probably, I reckon he's going to score tw- at least 20 goals this year. Going to put it out there, bold. Take on record last year was an absolute joke. Completed like 65 more than any other player. He just drifts past people. He uh, dribbled, I think it was something like 150 more metres than any other player in the Premier League last season. So he's going to be good. He was poor though, I thought, in the Community Shield. But I think that's just a, you know getting into the season, getting nice and match fit. He's going to become be a real key cog. Obviously, Diego Costa's had a little bit of hamstring problem. I think he's going to be all right though. And it's Falcao. He's going to do something against Man United. I can already see it happening. There's going to be a big game this season where Hazard, sorry, not Hazard, Falcao wins it for them. They're absolutely solid at the back. You've got Ivanovic, Cahill, Terry, Aspilicueta and uh, Courtois in goal. That is the best back five in the Premier League. And then the quality in midfield, Matic, Fabregas, Willian, Oscar. The list goes on. Quadrado. My, I would say, do you not think with Chelsea, the problem with them is they haven't strengthened their squad. So everyone always says about Man City whenever they win the league... The yeah, but Adam, they were so far ahead of everyone else, and they and they've still got they they won not, with a, a relatively but, young squad, apart from John Terry, obviously. Yeah, but do you not think everyone else 
playing catch up. They've strengthened their squads significantly this summer. So, so I think the, Chelsea the point, needed yeah. to do the same. Yeah, well, the they, point would be maybe that, that they, everyone else has strengthened, so it'll make Chelsea's run harder, but people still believe that Chelsea are a strong enough team to win the league still. So do you think they're going to win the league, Lawrence? Uh, can I? I don't know. Do I want to go Ooh. on an outside bet on Manchester United? I don't know. Do you? I don't think so, mate. Come on. We've got two centre-halves. Oh, even Dave's saying it, so maybe <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. I, yeah, I know, but every fan... I, every, I had this conversation the other day. Is every fan now, because of banter on YouTube, pins their own team's expectation back because everyone's so scared of getting castigated by someone else in the comments. I think Dave's just pussying out of saying he thinks United Whoa. are good. No, no. Oh. If, if United sign two centre-backs by the 31st of August, they'll win the league. But if they don't, they're not going to. The quality of Daly Blind at centre-back and then the likes of Phil Jones or Smalling, that isn't a championship winning back two in comparison to the likes of, of uh, you know Terry and Cahill or the likes of Koscielny and Mertesacker. They are miles ahead of, of Man, the Man United pairing. You know, you look at Man City as well. You know, you got company, and you know who's going to fit in this season. Whether it's been Mangala or whoever, that as well. I think Man United huge liabilities last year. But I, I, I just think the United's are worse. I think United's are even more bigger liabilities than those than that, than that lot. I think Daly Blind's going to play centre back for the first five games or whatever it is, and then we're going to play Liverpool. And Ben Teke is just going to absolutely have a laugh with him. So it's just what's going to happen. It's just Lawrence, it's not good enough. Lawrence is your shout, Chelsea. Then is that what we're saying? The shout still Chelsea. I think the interesting thing is who's going to push them. Well, um, yeah, like we're saying, all these teams have strengthened, so it should be a good title race this season, as opposed to a foregone conclusion by January. Yeah, say? I'd say that you, uh, the point on Chelsea not strengthening is definitely there, but I don't think the other teams have strengthened enough. The gap hasn't been bridged sure. enough. Like we, we mentioned before, it's definitely not. There's not. There's no. There's no Agueros that have been bought. Mm. There's no like Azards that have been still bought. There's time. no. There is still time. <laughs> that's the thing. It is hard yeah, to say. Yeah, but none of them look like the buying squad. anyone like that, do they? Yeah. yeah. I think if I think if City sign um, uh, De Bruyne, they're gonna. I think that 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 is significant. If they, you know, they've got him in. They've got. Sterling in what they were missing last season was youth, it was pace on the wings. I think that could give them a chance, but anyway, I'm gonna go on an outside bet here, even though I'm a Spurs fan. I reckon Arsenal, Arsenal. I yeah, honestly yeah. think Arsenal are gonna, I think Czech is gonna to prove to be this huge signing. No, you don't think that. no, I honestly think that for good content. No, I, I honestly do because I think, like I'm saying about Chelsea. I feel like they haven't strengthened significantly. I feel like if Diego Costa with his dodgy hamstrings gets an injury, like you say, they've got Falcao. Uh, to, to to be the backup, they've got like Remy as well, who's you know he's a he's a good Premier League striker, but he's not someone who's going to win you the title. So I feel like if Costa gets injured as he's want to, if Aguero gets injured like he's want to, then Arsenal they've got a very strong squad. Looking at it, I see your point. Yeah, I see your point. I mean, Arsenal then have the strongest squad in the league, but exactly. it's the same as saying, well, what if Sanchez gets injured? What if? That's... Again, but this is what I'm saying. We he's due an injury. He's definitely due an injury. He's played too many oh. too many minutes in the last year to not not get a big injury and be out for two months. Come on, I, I think I think the thing is here we're, we're looking at Chelsea still being the strongest team because mentally there's a very good uh, there's a very good cohesion there. I think Adam makes a great point about if their strike force Falcao and Diego Costa both go down, and there's a strong likelihood of that happening, then we we might see them struggle in games where those critical points are to be won. And I wonder if Jose Mourinho is just going to sit back in those games, put Loic Remy pretty mm-hmm. isolated up front and try and get away with the 1-0 in the same way that he did when they played Liverpool just a few seasons ago and they've played Arsenal that way a number of times. Do we or, all... Sorry, go on, Dave. Or is Eden Hazard going to become a central striker? Are we going to see that move? Like a false nine. This, 
this is exactly where Eden Hazard needs to go. If he, if he, if he's going to score, uh, you know, Ronaldo, Messi level of goals, he needs to play centrally, whether it is at number 10 or whether it is as a false nine. You could see that Chelsea midfield with a false nine, with Fabregas running in behind, with Willian getting ahead of the striker, with Oscar getting... All these players are really good at getting in behind. And I think that's something that Mourinho should think about doing. If he's not going to strengthen... If he's not going to buy another really, really good striker, he's got to think about Hazard through the middle. Can we all agree on who's going to finish in the top four? Oh. That being Chelsea, no. Chelsea, Arsenal, City, and United, or do we think yes. Liverpool and Spurs are going to break in there? Uh, I just think Liverpool are going to have a good year. I really do. I think that they've they've signed very very they've signed some brilliant players for the, for the Premier League. They've signed you know Benteke and Klein, who are mm. you know who have been very very good in recent years. They've they've strengthened where their weaknesses were. The season before you, they were very poor at their recruitment. This season they've been excellent. Do you really and I'd say that it's going to? Sorry, go on. Go on. I don't, I'm not sure. It's, 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 someone's got to drop out, I think. Like, someone has to drop out. Yeah, who's really going to drop out biggest, to make way that's for That's the thing. If City buy De Bruyne, De Bruyne, they aren't going to drop out. He's too good a player. Um, and that's oh, and then he, obviously he's going to have the big Mourinho versus De Bruyne thing. Mourinho slagging him off just to, for Chelsea. Just to counter you on Liverpool there, you're saying they've strengthened in positions they're weak. Last season, um, infamously, they conceded double the amount of goals they did the season before, so defence was the big weakness. But why, Adam? What, what was the exactly. problem? Well, they have... Was it individuals or was it the unit as a whole? That's a good and point. Is that, is that that is... problem? Now they've plugged up a right-back position. Yeah. You know what? There's a huge confidence on Merseyside about Gomez, signed from Charlton. There's something about him that they're saying he's growing into the place, he's growing into the space, he's, you know, he's, looking... he's not a John Arnorisa or someone like that, but he's certainly a player that people have confidence in, and he's a kind of... A... He's becoming somewhat of a, I don't know where to put it, like a Luke Shaw almost, uh, possibly like a Raphael-esque figure. Because very quickly, he's adapted to Anfield life. That's interesting. Is he more of a, more of a left-back than a centre-half? Well, that's, that's where Liverpool are playing him. But I think the problem has been in the past. that they, they So they've got Moreno there. Moreno is great going forward. But too often... He, at the back, he's just been found wanting. So Moreno, yeah. for me, I almost feel like Moreno's like he's very similar to John Arnorisa in that sense. There's but, a, but people said the the problem for Liverpool last season. I, I know you're sort of alluding to maybe tactically with Brendan Rodgers there. That was a problem. But centre backs and goalkeeper, neither of which it looks like they're going to strengthen in those positions. Well, yeah, but, but you've got to you've got to admit that. I mean, I don't think that after Mignolet had his time out, that he came back and had any particularly shaky games. It's true. Yeah, that is true. Uh, what, what I would say as well is that I think Liverpool struggled defensively last year was with the three at the back of the switch. I talked about it all year. The switch from yep. the right side to the left side behind uh, Moreno. It was blatantly obvious. Everyone worked it out. I think that this season Liverpool. Sorry, yeah, this season they're going to play a, a four at the back. I think Nathaniel Klein is going to be excellent there. And I think the defence will be a hell of a lot more compact if it's a four, not a three. So I think that's where we'll see Liverpool pick up a lot more points. I think the midfield is, a, is, is more competitive as well. You know, the likes of Coutinho, Firmino, Henderson, uh, Milner, you know, Chan. the list goes, Emery Chan, the list goes on. I, I think they're just, uh, they're, they're a hell of a lot more competitive for the Premier League. I, think, if, they'll if, take, if, I think they'll take points from some of the top sides next season and that'll be the difference with Liverpool. But I don't know if they'll take enough to bridge the gap. I think yeah. they'll surprise a yeah. Chelsea. I think they'll surprise a City. and uh, Because Liverpool somewhat still have a bit of a, an itch to scratch with those guys. Because a few seasons ago when they lost out in the title, they were so mm. close to beating those guys and didn't do it. And this season there's a belief that they've got players who are a bit more buccaneering, a bit more in the Luis Suarez. It's nothing to do with Suarez, but really a bit more in the adventurous role, basically. And that's what Liverpool lacked last let's, season was an adventurous side. Let's look at the other end of the table and talk about dun, who dun, is going to get relegated this season. 
So of the new boys, we've got Watford, we've got Bournemouth, we've got Norwich City. Do you think they're safe or do you think they're, you know, at least one of them is going to go straight back down, Dave? I think two of them are down. I would say Norwich are down and Watford are down. Not obviously, sorry to the fans, wow, but that's think... what I can say. I don't think they're good enough. Watford have... Bournemouth are good enough. I, I, I think Bournemouth will be the one. They'll be, they'll be the ones. They've made some good signings. Max Grayle is an absolute fantastic signing, playing for, for San Setien last season on the wing. Scored 17 league goals. Only Cavani, Ibrahimovic, Gignac and Lacazette scored more goals than him. Fantastic little player. He obviously was at Leeds United before, went over to Saint Etienne, and he's sort of de- he's developed. He's developed a lot. Then you look at other players that um, Bournemouth have, like Matt Ritchie. Well, I've, I went, went to see Bournemouth a few times um, in the last few seasons. My parents and I live there. Matt Ritchie always stood out. He was he was head and shoulders above the rest. He's a little winger, very very good on the ball. He's got a good 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 strike on him as well. You know, he can hit it from anywhere. So I think they've got. It, it looks like they're going to be more competitive than the other two, and also Eddie Howe. Um, the ground is is tiny. It's going to be difficult to pick points at Bournemouth, up at Bournemouth. So that's where they're going to do very well. And I just think that they're the they're the guys. I think they had the best defensive record out of the three that came up. They had a very good attacking record. So it's for me, they're the only ones that's good, that are going to run away. So you're uh, saying Watford and Norwich are down. Who do you think yeah. is going to join them? I think after the the darling of the world, Nigel Pearson, got sacked, poor old Leicester City. <laughs> May see the drop. Um, Leicester were brilliant because of Nigel Pearson last season with his tactics. Very, um, very nice, fast-flowing football. Four-three-three. Three. I just can't see them. You know, like, that, that's the, the team for me that's going like to. That. I think down. Dave's right. They probably are the three weakest teams in the league. Looking at it on paper, Lawrence, are you agreeing with those three going down, or do you think there's someone else who's going to be in the mix? I, I, Leicester, I can certainly agree with because I think there was, you know, something along the lines of the, the siege mentality, and now there's much less of that with Ranieri there. We don't know how well he's going to gel with those players. Um, I also think when it comes, I, I, you see, I see Bournemouth slightly differently. I don't know, is it, it like the, the the step up is such a big step up? I'm not judging him on the size of the ground, all those kind of things. I'm just thinking how many teams out there are going to go there and think, right, let's just dampen this down a little bit. And, you know, make sure that we get away with a result here. Uh, you know, people are going to know this is the, the stumbling block this season. And I think they'll go there and tactically set. There, there are too many high-end Premier League teams now who are set up to beat those guys. Um, it's interesting looking at the league table, seeing the... Just uh, looking at it now, sort of looking at who's going to go down. Well, it's alphabetical, mate, at the moment. So, I mean, <laughs> it, at the moment, it, it's, it's Watford. Yeah, West Ham are uh, down. Brest West Ham are down. Bournemouth for Champions back. League, mate. No, but what I was going to say yeah. is, I was trying to think, okay, who are the other teams who are going to be in the mix? That's the, the top. The teams of the, the, the strength throughout the league is quite something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like Sunderland this week, they're looking to sign Jan and Villa, Leroy Fur. Those are big signings that are going to really strengthen their midfield. So, it's hard to see that there's going to be a, a lot of teams in that relegation scrap. There is one team, definitely, I mentioned it before, with Bilic in as, at the helm, it's going to be West Ham. Yeah. because he's, is such a toss-up, isn't it? It's just... Poor oh, manager, very, way. very poor manager at club level. They're not going to be in the relegation battle, surely. If, if it I goes wrong, he'll be gone by January. They'll try and steady the ship. Get Allardyce back in. You know, they'll I think <laughs> what will happen is they'll start brilliantly and then they'll fade. And that's what will happen. Bilic will start the first 10 games, be, be like probably top four, top six in the Premier League, and then the form will just absolutely plummet. They'll probably have to sack him around probably April time and get Sam Big Sam back get to rescue back it. In. Rescue um, the day. Next one. Tac- who- tactically, they've been found out by a couple of sides already, haven't they? But it's still early. It's Technically, it's still yeah. a pre-season. They haven't you know, looked good in pre-season, but you know. Yeah. 
Um, who Ooh. is going to be the Premier League? Well, breaking, breaking news. Enna Valencia ruled out for 12 weeks. That is a massive loss. And that there will go, go, obviously, against West Ham. Anyway, sorry, Adam. No, I like that. That's a good point. You're, you're backing it up with the, the fact <laughs> tape, as you Sacco, usually do. I like it. Sacco is going to Palace, um, which I think is not bad, but from Wolves. Um, and I think Palace, I, for me, I just think Palace are going, not safe, but solid in their signings. Um, and I think they know how they want to play next season. They have a, a way set up. And I think for a lot of sides, they're going to be not aggressive, but I think they're going to be quite overt with their tactics. Um, and, you know, Pardew at times has a tendency to be a little bit boring. Um, mm. And, you know, Newcastle fans complain about it. Quite a few uh, Crystal Palace fans complain about it. But when he lets the leash off, then there's something quite exciting about those sides. And I think we're going to see moments this season of just sheer joy for the Crystal Palace fans. <laughs> but um, what I'm asking is, how often will that be? Like, you know, they'll obviously face up against Liverpool and there's the hoodoo they've got against Liverpool. Mm. There, you know, there's a couple of other sides, I think, he gets those guys g'd up for and but i think what about the bournemouths are our palace going to be able to beat the bournemouths and the stokes and those kind of guys yeah. because that's going to decide where they finish and whether the difference between being eighth or possibly even seventh i know that sounds unrealistic but oh. and and being you know 10th or 11th let's move on to um the premier league top scorer so who's <laughs> going to be the top scorer this season last season it was sergio aguero Dave, have you, have you got a shout for who you think is going to be Premier League top scorer? Well, I was looking at some stats today, come, come to think of it. Um, I was just having a look, you know, obviously Aguero was top scorer last season. But what I was looking at, I was looking at the minutes to goal ratio. Um, and Sergio Aguero Love is on it. top there for any player over scoring over 10 goals. He scored a goal every 97 minutes in the Premier League. Um, Diego Costa, 105 um, minutes per goal but one was quite interesting that jumped out was Theo Walcott he scored a goal last season every 89 minutes but he's only scored wow. five goals only playing yeah. 447 minutes but maybe he's the dark horse I don't think yeah. so you know that's just what the so stats have come out and said because he never plays because yeah, he's literally but, like okay I'm ready let me on <laughs> goal bye Dave who's your shout come on give I'm, me I'm a name I'm definitely going I'm going Aguero 100% Aguero I think he's just heads and shoulders above the rest in the Premier League in terms of strikers he's getting the number 10 jersey apparently um, and you look at his goals per, per game last season, 0.79 goals per game. Easy, man. Lawrence, who are you going for? Wayne Rooney. Oh, bold. I like it. It's bold. It's bold. Tell it's me why. I, I have, I have, I've always been, I've, I've never really had full confidence in Wayne. Like from my, from my perspective, I've never enjoyed him at United. And I think that's always been a mixture of attitude and where he's been played. So I think there's been a, a malaise around Wayne. I think, playing under a manager such as uh, Van, Gaal, Van Gaal, I think will, will benefit him. And especially if he's played centrally. And I think that will mean, you know, I think, you know, Wayne will be up there come the end of the season. I, and I think we'll be saying, wow, you know, look at him going into the Euros. I think with Wayne, it's going to be, he'll score around 10, 12, 13 goals, but yeah. he'll get like 17 assists maybe or something like 15 assists. I think how he's playing in the new system, it is sort of a little bit like a target man false nine where he's looked really good when he's dropped a little bit deeper and he's let Memphis run ahead of him. And the likes of Pedro that are coming in, obviously, that'd be fantastic. And that's what I see him more of like a, a maybe more complete Provide. as a player playing as a striker now, maybe not be the 20 goal a season striker, but being that creator. I'd say Memphis Depay definitely got to be up there. He'll he'll score more goals than Rooney and I reckon he'll be probably top top three, top four players in the Premier League in terms of goals this season. How many goals do you see Benteke scoring this season? It's going to be interesting. Benteke, there's that stat that Benteke scored 74% of his Premier League goals after January the 1st but mm -hmm. I can see him starting quite fast for Liverpool. I don't know why. 
obviously scored that brilliant goal um, Ooh, in pre-season against Swindon. Um, I see is that with Jordan Henderson, you know, Jordan Henderson is a player that's got an extremely high crossing accuracy. It's like one of the best in the Premier League. And you can see that, that Henderson pulling a little bit to the right, whipping the balls in. You know, you can see some a lot of goals coming that way for Liverpool this season. Yeah, I mean, it's also thinking about um, Danny Ings as well. I think Danny Ings will play a lot more early on in the season. I don't think he's going to be a top scorer, but I think mm. early on we'll see Danny Ings played a lot more because I think... That I, I think Brent, Brendan Rodgers this season is, and he's been very overt about this, and that's something he hasn't really done in the past. If you look at his press conferences, he talks a lot more about rotation, and in the past, that's not been the case so much. You, know, you, you I mean, you worry is that a stumbling block for for him again that he keeps he always, he's always confident and then messes it up. But if he does rotate, then I'll, I'll be confident to see more a share of goals at Liverpool, and that's why I don't think I'll see them as a top scorer this season. I'm going for it, Harry Kane myself. Oh, yeah, of course you are, mate. Of course, not because I'm a Spurs fan, but mainly because. Of, but he didn't. He wasn't the first Ooh. team starter uh, last season until November, and look how he performed. So this season, the Premier League season under his belt, all that experience starting from the off. Adam, I think what, he could what be up there. About that, that, that commentator today that's come out and said that Harry Kane is not in the match day squad Dave, because Man United have put a, a huge bit in furious rumours. He's not going to Manchester United this season, regardless of whether they're interested or not, wherever they put in the bids. I think, you know, a season or two, maybe we'll start seeing bigger clubs come in, but I can't see him leaving this summer. After one full, not even a full season, as I just said, in the Premier League, he's not going to Man United for, <laughs> for 50 million. Fingers crossed. Um, the last yeah, question. Can't say fingers crossed. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. He's, he's not definitely going. not going. I'm just a little bit anxious. But he's 100% he's staying, in my opinion. He's anyway, moving like, on. <laughs> The last one I want to ask you, sort of coming on to what we're talking about, West Ham there, is we've already answered it on the podcast, but you know, it's a few weeks later, let's just get your opinion. Who is going to be the first manager to get sacked? Is there anyone who doesn't think it's Slaven Bilic? <laughs> no. Easy, man. Well, Potentially I mean, at I, Watford, because they, they love the merry-go-round, don't they? You can yeah, see well, the, Sanchez the, Flores just gone in like he is the August second, the 30th. He is the second yeah. favourite to get sacked first. The favourite, the bookies' favourite to get sacked first in the Premier League this season is Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> what, what do you make of that, Lawrence? I mean, the, the guy's obviously got a lot of pressure on him again. They spent a lot of money this summer. There is a pressure to perform on Liverpool this season. I don't quite get what that's based on. Like, I, I'm, I don't think Liverpool are doing so terribly that Brendan Rodgers should be number one. Sam Allardyce is sitting home going, see if you yeah. like it. <laughs> um, I don't... I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I don't really know. I very often I look at what the bookies do, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's yeah, politics, that isn't it? <laughs> yeah, what is that about? Is it? It's as if they were trying to make money from the people who are betting on their things. Yeah. It's as if betting is somehow weighted towards the bookies. No, can't be, mate. No, yeah, you're right. Know. Yeah, it's because Rubbish, the people mate. always win. There's always people walking out with piles of cash from the bookies every day. There's never a depressed-looking man at the back, is there? It sounds um, like we're all I don't good. know how true that is. Um, I, I'd be interested to see what the odds are on Pardew. Um, I'd also be interested to see what the odds are on... I don't, I don't think Leicester will get rid... Although that's interesting. What's going to happen with Ranieri if Leicester don't oh, get off to a good I start? I reckon Ranieri... Ranieri's a good shout to go before Bilic, I reckon. Mm -hmm. Bilic yeah, but not before played. Rogers. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, I yeah, you know what? I'm going to go for Ranieri. Now you've mentioned him, I just think he, the fans are going to get on his back from day one. Whereas Bilic has probably got a bit more fan support behind him, even if things start going badly. Ranieri, begging her. Leicester fans see, don't like I'd, him I'd already. I'd love to see him do well. I'd love to see him do well yeah. because he's he's one of those guys where you think, you know what? Like you really, I, I don't know. I just love to see Ranieri do well. He seems like a kind of a, a your granddad's friend. 
<laughs> yeah, he doesn't know this. Anyway, look, listen, there's a few previews, a little, a little few predictions for you there for the Premier League season coming up. Let's talk a little bit of news. Well, tell us what yours are. Uh, I, I, I folded them in. Into no, the... I, I, tell us what yours are, listener. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> I, I thought it was... hear what your fucking opinion is. <laughs> I thought it was all about me for a second. Well, that is a good shout. Let us know who you think is going to win the Premier League and all that malarkey uh, on Twitter at the front three. That would be very nice. Um, moving on to a bit of news and the, all, all the transfer talk that's going on. Um, briefly, we should probably mention the Community Shield, which happened at the weekend. Did you guys watch the game? Any thoughts on it? It was a bit of a... It fizzled out pretty quickly, didn't it? Yeah, I think Chelsea were, were pretty poor. Like I mentioned before, Eden Hazard just didn't get into the game. Uh, it was quite interesting how Arsenal sort of dealt with him playing quite narrow in a way, with with a sort of three men in midfield. I thought Arsenal were all right. They're pretty good. The Ox obviously was brilliant. I love the Ox on the right. I think that's where he needs to play. He's not a player that's mm. decent. He's good centrally, but he's excellent on the wings. Got space to run into. It was interesting. That's Bill Equator. Um, you know his positioning for the goal. He's obviously a right-sided defender playing on the left, so he's comfortable when people are cutting in. He can get the blocks away, but he sort of didn't. It was like he didn't expect the Ox to have a go there. He didn't sort of go in and you know put a, put a block in or you know close him down quickly. He sort of like laboured to it, and it was you know, it was, the Ox was probably you know was man of the match. Um, you know, nearly created the second goal, but just interesting. Ask Bill Equator what what he was thinking. I think a lot of Chelsea, the Chelsea squad, are still almost warming up for the season. I find mm-hmm. it weird to watch them because they. Look, they look well off the pace. And you think, oh, well, you know, how well are they going to do? I, I, you know, I think Mourinho almost didn't want to play his hand. And uh, it's not that he doesn't care about the community shield, but I think there's definitely, I think there's an angle there to say, well, does he, did he really badly want to win it so badly as Arsenal wanted to break it? What mm. um, interesting scenes what we were talking about last week, but the most entertaining part for me about the match was the whole Jose Mourinho sideshow. He yeah. sort of, uh, he sort Did of. You not ter- watch the game, mate. He sort of turned up. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't the most entertaining, but I liked how Jose Mourinho turned up like he'd sort of been kicked out by his wife the night before. In complete contrast to Wenger, he's wearing his suit as always. He sort of did the old classic, went to shake all the Arsenal players' hands at the end, maybe avoided Wenger's handshake, maybe Wenger avoided him. But I just thought it's interesting that the reaction to that, you know. Classically, Jose Mourinho is famed for the mind games, as we were talking about last week, and everyone sort of, you know, buys into it. But I just feel like in the last year or so, or since he's come back to the Premier League, and maybe this is the culmination of that, it's becoming ever more transparent and ever more tiresome, and people are starting to turn against Mourinho as opposed to sort of eat it up, if you know what I mean. Lawrence, would you agree with what I'm saying there, or do you go against that? I think people have been critical of Mourinho for a while. Um, how easy it is to pick apart a lot of, a lot of what he says um, is is actually quite simple. But I think a lot of the time people still buy into the mic. They they don't. Is it a double bluff? Blah blah blah. And it almost I mean, feels like sometimes like, people are sort of saying now like, "Oh, Mourinho's talking rubbish again." You know, as opposed to "Oh, Mourinho's playing his old games." You know, what a, what a master! He's so clever. You know, when... you know, it, it's different to it's different to if someone says. Um, oh, Rogers is talking rubbish again. People say, oh, Mourinho's <laughs> talking rubbish again, and they think it's like a magician doing a trick. Right, Whereas right. if Rogers does it, it's like a baby doing a shit. So, <laughs> no, but I'm serious. So, no, no, so no, I with, agree, I with, agree. With, with, with Rogers, that's not patronizing towards Rogers, it's just the best way I can, I can explain it. With Rogers, it feels like, oh no, he, he's overlooked something again. And he's he's making his mistakes in front of us. Mm. With Mourinho, it's not he's making his mistakes. People always buy into the narrative that it's 
we must be doing something clever here. There must be what something good. Is I feel like it's turning into a, a mis- it, it feels like personally, it feels like the tide's turning in terms of it's not um isn't Mourinho be, there's there's a game plan behind everything he says. It's kind of like wow, Mourinho's being petty, isn't he? He's being quite immature in what he's doing. Why doesn't this guy? I know, I know. You know, he's never been the most mature of managers poking Tito Villanova in the eye a few years ago, <laughs> but it still feels like there's a little exactly. bit in England. We were sort of always you know praising Mourinho and sort of you know. Like you say, we've, we've, long, of, we've long suckled from the teat of Jose. That's a good I think, way of putting it, but I feel like, you know, now the, milk's, <laughs> the milk's going sour in many ways, Lawrence. Oh, oh wow. Time, you took oh, that man. analogy too so, far. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but anyway, it's interesting to look at, since we talked about it last week. Um, sticking on sort of Chelsea, John Stones, this whole saga is rumbling on. Rio Ferdinand, you know, Manchester United ambassador, apparently, has come out and said, John Stones would be insane to join Chelsea. He needs to join United. Dave, what are you making of, uh, of Rio sticking his oar in to this? Uh, I love it. I, I think I really like Rio since he's, you know, he's obviously the incident, not the incident, obviously the sad moment of his, of his wife passing. I think he's really, obviously that was, he was quiet then, but now he's coming really back into the media. And I like what he's saying about that. I like that he's kind of being an ambassador for Man United. He's winding up Lawrence, which is absolutely brilliant. I think John Stones needs to move to Man United over moving to Chelsea because like Rio said, he's going to play every week. But I've already mentioned his potential injury um, record that it's not bad, but it's not consistent. Rio Ferdinand and Vidic yeah. played consistently for um, you know five years in a row, and they always knew on a Saturday that they were going to play with each other. That's what Man United need is consistency, and John Stones could bring that if he is consistently fit. Uh, Lawrence, you must be chomping at the bit to uh, get stuck into Rio. The thing is, I, I agree with I agree with what Rio says. I just I am um, I mean Mourinho is a, a Mourinho is is a, a great voice within the game. Ferdinand is a is a mouth for hire, um, <laughs> and you know I think this is part of it. Is Ferdinand's trying to build his his media? Um, I mean, we all know it. We all know we all work in the industry in London. Ferdinand has shopped his ass around our city like no one's business, and everyone has snapped it up because it's Rio Ferdinand. Um, and I think you know I, I have a lot of respect for what he did, but I also have. I, I, I don't I, I guess I just have problems with people just because they are forthright speakers, therefore you know get putting a view well, yeah, forward. That he, doesn't stop me from that doesn't stop me from maybe analysing what he says. I think he's right that if he did go to yeah. Manchester United, he would he would have a very good um, he would have a very good he'd have a great trajectory to go mm. along. But at the same time, uh, what if he was to go to Chelsea if he has the right mentality and the right mix at Chelsea? I also think he'll go the right way. Um, and I just think it's this sensationalism time after time, which, I mean, I understand everyone. Some, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you say extreme things or you say this or you say that. But I think that it's this sensationalism sometimes, which I just get a bit bored of. Well, he's, he's, yeah, he's trying to position himself as a pundit. I like to say as a voice in football. He's trying to say something not necessarily controversial, but something newsworthy that's going to get him in the headlines. Is it, but that's is the it, problem is that new, this is not this is not news. This is oh, an no, opinion. That's true. That's true. This is an opinion. This is an opinion column, and the opinion column goes goes further but back. People in the take notice for a because reason. it's Rio Ferdinand, right? Former United well, yeah, legend, but, but, played but, but for ten years. Ferd- yeah, but he's not Winston Churchill, and no, you know he's, he's not. not. <laughs> he's not rallying the troops to to go and defeat some sort of great power. I think this is part of it. Is that it's easy? It's very easy journalism. And I understand we're on an easy to make podcast, those kind of things. But I guess what I'm saying is, I know. Wow. What, what, uh, I guess I guess it's just to criticise the source 
I just think it's just it's just to fill column inches. I don't quite know. Yeah, of course. It's what interesting the use of it. Um, you know, Thierry Henry last season made his debut as a Sky Sports pundit and was sort of criticised for being too bland. You know, he wasn't coming out with enough. You know forthright statements as soon as he came out and went uh, Giroud's not good enough for Arsenal everyone was on his back straight away like oh, you know, yeah. you can't say that oh. so you can't win either way but I mean interesting nonetheless um, on to the old uh, transfer talk here it looks like Di Maria is going to seal his move to PSG we've talked about this at length before but Dave any final thoughts on a player all the United fans seem to have turned against in the last week. Before, it was like, oh, you know, Di Marie just needs time. He needs time to settle. He's been burgled. He needs one more season. Now it's like, what a bloody snake. He's got no backbone. He's an absolute <laughs> joke. Any final thoughts on, uh, on Di Maria? Yeah, see you later, Di Maria. You, you, you didn't make it at Man United. You're rubbish. You're, it's over for you. <laughs> that was another one. What about some realistic thoughts, Dave? He's a, he's, a, he's a player of great quality. Uh, it's a shame that he's had to go. Um, he didn't fit into Manchester life. It's happened before with Argentinians. His assist record in the Premier League last season showed is, he was a brilliant player. You know, look at his minutes per assist, 162 minutes, absolutely class. He's going to be fantastic for PSG. PSG, for me, lack that player that sort of bridges the gap between their brilliant strikers, Cavani, Ibrahimovic and the midfield and he could be the man that could take them to the next level. I hope that we get PSG in the Champions League and I hope we dump them out and I hope Di Maria is rubbish but I can see this working out really well for Di Maria. You know, the likes of Pastore is is already at PSG. Um, In the Copper America, those two are combining really, really well. They're both very, very, very good on the counter-attack. Pastore made his... um, you know, got into the game at Palermo playing centrally behind two strikers on the counter-attack. Di Maria is brilliant on the counter-attack. These two players, we could see a real good understanding there. And, I, you know, it's just good for PSG, bad for Man United. We uh, mentioned Kevin De Bruyne there uh, before, likely to be Manchester City's final summer signing, according to The Guardian, for £48 million, which seems like a lot of money. But as you say, Dave, he's a, he's a very good player. He got a hell of a lot of goals and assists in the Bundesliga last season. Um, How would he fit in at City? Like, what's their formation if De Bruyne goes there? Well, it'd be more of a. I reckon it'd just be the sort of four, four, two, three, one, um, four, four, one, one model. He, he'll just play behind the striker. He plays as sort of. I mentioned it before, like a second striker. Again, he was pretty good against Bayern Munich. Got the assist for the equaliser in the Super Cup. Um, so it'll probably be Aguero up front with De Bruyne sort of operating in behind, Sterling on the right, Silver on the left. Um, the interesting thing about uh, Wolfsburg was they were pretty much built around Kevin De Bruyne. Um, they press very well. They're very compact as a team. Their two wingers put a good shift in, which will be different to having Sterling and Silva either side of you. So it's going to be interesting to see Man City with De Bruyne, whether they're going to be broken, where they have these four forwards that are just going to stay up the top of the pitch and then the, the, the back six are sort of the two DMs and the, the back four will have to defend. Probably how it's going to go, but he's, he's, a, he's brilliant from set pieces. He's great at drifting into, into channels and, and crossing the ball. That's where he got a number of his assists from last season. So it's a fantastic signing for Man City. It was 30 goals, in fact, Adam. Goals and assists last season in the Bundesliga. Like I said, a hell of a lot, eh? A load. An absolute re- a record for, for a midfielder in Europe's top five leagues, obviously, I'm classing Ronaldo and Messi as strikers forwards in a way, but yeah, fantastic player. Um, also, That's on where City, comes in. there you go. <laughs> he can he can bang in the goals. Uh, briefly again on City, uh, Jekos looks like he's off to Roma for 14 million. 
Lawrence, we sort of touched on this earlier on the old uh, rumorator show on the Football Republic, but um, he's sort of a bit you of. You know a, what you mean, mate? It's not out yet. He's not un- an underrated player necessarily. Yeah. He, he scored seventy-two goals in one hundred and eighty-seven appearances at the Etihad Stadium. As we mentioned, he got a very crucial goal for the club, scoring the equaliser against QPR in the game where they finally about? won the title. I don't Dave doesn't it. remember Adam, that. He's you're blanked wrong, out. Yeah. That's wrong. That's wrong, but Adam. He's a, he is he is a very Absolutely. good striker, is he not, Lawrence? He's a very good striker, Adam. Any more questions? Do you think Sierra right to sell him? You know, they've, they've uh, got Aguero no, I think and Bonnie I, I don't think he fits the system. I think too often we found that he just hasn't played enough games consistently for City. And with all of these storylines, it's possible for both teams to do well. Um, United can sell Di Maria. Di Maria can do well. United can do well. City can sell Dzeko. Dzeko do, can do well. City can do well. These are down to tactical shifts. I think one thing that I haven't heard so much in the United analysis... I, although I think some people have acknowledged it, D, uh, too, very often Van Gaal will freeze someone out. And that happened with Di Maria, was that he became somewhat ostracised from the group. And some people say that's his own personal thing. I you know, would also say that, that that's part of the institution that Louis Van Gaal is able to operate as. And you'd say uh, the same at, at Manchester City was that he was a, a fringe player at times at City. But the times when he did come on, he had the right mentality and did it and did exactly what he needed to for the club. And I think that, you know, his record speaks for itself at City. Record's absolutely fantastic. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sorry to, sorry to jump in. Since he joined City, only four players have scored more goals in the Premier League for him. They are Suarez, Rooney, Van Persie and Aguero. So his calibre is there. He scored more goals than Daniel Sturridge. So, you know, Daniel Sturridge, Lukaku, Benteke, exactly. Giroud. Good, good top, top, top player. Final, final bit of news. Um, Benzema to Arsenal. The rumor that refuses to die. <laughs> the Guardian today is saying that you know Wenger is ready to make a late bid for Benzema if if he can capitalize upon any movement in the market. Gareth Bale apparently has been promised a central role at Real Madrid, meaning Benzema. No, be- no, 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 no. He wants one. Promised, it says here. It says promised in the Guardian, Lawrence. So it must be. In fact, Benitez had an interview this week, and he said Gareth Bale isn't going to leave, and he said Benzema's not going to leave. How it's going to operate there is Bale's going to play behind Benzema, Ronaldo on the left, whoever on the right. One of James Rodriguez, Isco, um, Hesse. I missed that. You know, one of them will play on the right, and that's how they're going to play. The rumor of to die, but it's not happening. Yeah, rubbish. Right, there we go. We've sorted that one out. Uh, Let's move on to the questions. 
I, lo- I, lo- I just, I love the questions bit. Let's just get excited. Uh, Everyone just sit for a second and get excited. Uh, I'm hyped. Exactly. I'm hyped. I'm the ready. The questions bit is great because it blows up my Twitter. All right. There's nothing better. Than <laughs> Makes you Twitter feel really popular. Tw- it really does because you see the 20 plus icon next to your Twitter and you're like, and you know. Oh, yeah, I know that's oh, normal. Baby. But for me, <laughs> that is, you know. Listen, the first question <laughs> relevant to what we were just talking about, George Foster on Twitter asks, do you think Madrid need to change Bale's position to make him more effective? So at Real Madrid, since he's, he's moved to the club, he's been playing on the right uh, right wing, whereas at Spurs he's on the left wing. Bale himself came out this week after he scored against Spurs, but we won't mention that. He said he feels like he plays more effectively in a central role. Dave, what do you reckon? Should he should Rafa Benitez been playing through the middle? Should he stick him on the left, on the right? Where, where, where should he be playing? It's a real difficult one because personally I like Bale on the left. I think he's fantastic on the left as a winger. Oh, yeah. um, towards his end, you know, the end of his days at Spurs, he played behind the striker and was at, that was his best season. What twenty plus goals in the Premier League? Um, I think Rafa will play that season. Uh, apparently, oh, apparently, when Harry Kane was still in his Sorry. nappies. <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, I, I think I, Bale... I don't know when you had nappies until Dave, but I that that is worrying <laughs> that you still think that Harry Kane was in nappies at that age. All right, I think that's Harry Kane shitting himself at the age of eighteen. You know, some people are late bloomers. What can you say? Dave, <laughs> Dave, carry on with your... Dave, carry on with your... So, yeah, I, I, like, I don't like Bale on the right. I think he was, he's, he's been a bit found out in terms of he's, got, he's one-dimensional on the right. I like him either in the free roll behind or on the left, prefer him on the left. It's going to be interesting. I thought that James Rodriguez was going to have that relationship with Rafa as being his attacking midfielder. James Rodriguez obviously getting double figures in assists and goals last season, and that's his best position. So it's going to be, mean that... One of them's going to be playing out of position between the three of them. And I think that James is going to be... I reckon it will start with Bale in the middle. But I reckon eventually Bale will move out to the left for under Rafa. Ronaldo right. Mm-hmm. And I reckon James behind in the hole. I like it. What, sorry, can I just ask one thing? Can what? I ask Dave a question? Go on in quickly. Dave, yes. what do you think of De Silva leaving? Rafael De Silva. Rafael, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He got frozen out by Louis Van Aal, didn't he? That was the problem. He was a top player. It's sad, but... isn't it? It's sad. It, it, it's not sad because he's playing football now and that's what he needed <laughs> he he got injured didn't he he got injured that was his problem he was he was too injury prone like Fabio similar I don't know, you know maybe they played football too early on at a young age too as too many games but yeah he's a good player he's going to do well for Leon and Leon are going to win the French League um, Lawrence no they're not mate uh, <laughs> Lawrence I bet you're a tenor okay, mate I bet you're a tenor yeah, mate really this is a good question for you to try and answer very succinctly. Uh, do English clubs lack identity? Too many style, player types, or manager chances? Not the best worded question, but an interesting question nonetheless from Helmuth Zilstorf on Twitter. Uh, do English clubs lack an identity, Lawrence? Um, not all of them. Some of them have a very strong identity. Some of them are embedded in the past. Some of them are looking towards the future. City have um, do do have an identity in the past, but that was somewhat forgotten because of the amount of time which went between now and then. And now they seem to be, I think, maybe what they're getting at is that there is, in globalised football, a bit of a, um, a homogeneity to some of the sides, which maybe makes them, you know, they, they become continental looking or whatever you want to say. The issue would be with that, they lose what we traditionally associate with England, which is 
you know, a big man and a small man up front or a 4-4-2 or, you know, we're going to take these guys on. We're going to go out there and we're going to do this, this and this. And we're going to we're going to show those guys. And that's got to change somewhat because that was the old British way, which was when they were a colonial power. They were able to look at themselves that way. And that didn't go away until not so long ago. So what I'm succinctly saying is, as Britain's identity changes, so will the identity of their football. And I think the Premier League has been at the very forefront of that. It blossomed underneath the Labour government. It blossomed underneath governments that were looking outwards and were selling us globalisation. And I don't necessarily think that's a positive thing because that came along with a lot of neoliberalism and all these other things, all these other big concepts which we were sold into. And I think over time, we'll see that we'll struggle to financially and also uh, morally justify the way the Premier League treats the rest of the world and in time I think we'll see other people become stronger in leagues and Britain may struggle because of its past in that time and that's where its identity will go wow, but that, uh, that's I mean that's a very broad answer for a very broad question <sighs> and it's the beginning it's of a very an good answer Lawrence I'd say very intelligent um, I learned a lot there yeah me too um Getting on to a less intelligent, uh, I'm sure a less intelligent answer. Uh, Connor. Dave, who's better? Hazard or Messi? Oh, yeah, that is no. <laughs> um, Connor asks. The, the uh, question on everyone's <laughs> lips, Dave. The question on everyone's <laughs> lips, or at least Connor's, is will Stoke compete for Europe, Dave? Well, the interesting thing about Stoke is they, they were under a fascist dictator in totally Pulis for a number of years. Now they've been freed by the sort of the post post sort of German government, you could say. Love it. Where it's been opened up to the east and the west. Now I'm talking shit. Um, I think I think Stoke are going to be good this year. They've made a number of pretty good signings. Um, oh, yeah, that's, they, you a know, strong, that's a strong accusation there, Dave. He's a fascist. I like it. It was bold. It was bold. <laughs> Bold, uh, uh, it, was, it was too bold. It was too bold, lads. Uh, but I think Stoke have got, you know, they've, they've recruited well. Affleye is going to be a pretty good player for the Premier League. Nice little tricky winger. Mark Hughes is just good at, at getting teams that are in this sort of mid, mid-table sort of area. You know, sort of your twelfths to your uh, Europa League, pushing for Europa League. So I think Stoke are going to be good this year. They're obviously very, very good at home. Uh, but they're getting that creativity back. It's going to be interesting to see whether the blend will still be there. Because last se- was it last season that we still saw um, a little bit of Pulis's Stoke in a way, where they still were a bit rugged, still were pretty good defensively. Obviously, Hughes has come in. Can, can he keep that up? Can he keep that stability there? Um, I think they can, to be honest. You know, they haven't lost that many players of that ilk, such as you know your likes of uh, Ryan Shawcross, very aggressive player. Uh, Marco Van Ginkel is going to be quite an interesting signing from uh, from Chelsea, obviously on loan. Uh, was really good in their Eredivisie for Vitesse Arnhem, but just hasn't really played for Chelsea or AC Milan last season because of injury. I think Anatovic is going to be good this season. Um, they've got Glenn Johnson. What's he going to do? You know, he's got a lot to prove. So I think they're going to be they're going to do very well. They're pushing for Europa League, I'd say. I like it. Um, Nathan Van Loon wants to know what are the best new kits or what are best new kits from the top leagues in Europe. This season. Nathan, so, my man, my man, Nathan. Do you each have a favourite kit or or strip? I think this, I do. Yeah, season, go on. Uh, Torino's pretty good. The Torino home kit for this season yeah. looks pretty good because um, it's got the is it the horse on the front? Oh, it's the away yeah, kit. I think. Yeah, it's, it's a stallion, cool horse. isn't it? It's the Torino stallion. Yeah, proper yeah. stallion. Lawrence, you got a favourite um, uh, kit, a favourite shirt this season? Well, Adam, I've got a long list. Um, Give me one. I need the, your favourite. Oh, um, oh, good question. I've been wearing the home. I've been wearing Bayern's home shirt a lot for next season right now. Lovely, fits great. Got to recommend a long sleeve of that. 
it's worth the extra ten pounds. That is a nice shirt. Um, I've got to say, it is a nice shirt. Uh, I mean, I, I like Real Madrid's uh, home and away. I love Liverpool's charcoal black. The the black that Liverpool have got is a good away kit. Um, and then, obviously, uh, a lot of people have switched sponsors this season. Liverpool bringing out the New Balance, Juve bringing out the Adidas. The stripes on the arms with the stripes on the chest are fantastic. It's really, and they've done a great job of the uh, second kit, which is pink, and they've done a great job of the third kit, which is all black, gold trim, and these faded sort of weird-looking shorts, which I quite like. And then United launched that new kit the other day. Dave? Nah, it's all right, isn't it? You know, nothing. Say, I I thought thought was, Come I on, that was a Dave. really good mate, kit. It's not, it's not creative. Really I, I like it to be more creative. I like like the use of uh, you know the dragon on the Inter Milan shirt a few years ago. I like the Napoli oh, away. Man. I think the third kit that was the camo kit. I like something that's different. I think that shirt designers they play it too easy. Where's the boldness? Wow, Where's I like the it nice and colours? I like it nice and simple and like you know stylish i don't like all this dragons everywhere that's, that's mental. Yeah, I, like, I like i like it being different i like it being a bit ballsy where the designers actually had to go in and think about it a little bit more than well, just keeping it cool I, oh, i've got a bit I, I like the dra- i like the dragons and i like i really in fact i really oh, yeah, enjoy more the dragons if anything more dragons everywhere but, yeah uh, well <laughs> i imagine us as a board just yeah guys there's a little bit can we get any mm, more dragons yeah. on the kit <laughs> just not sure about guys <laughs> your yeah. your symbols are bluebird yes but we need more dragons on Come it on. we'd be great for the party <laughs> I think one thing I would say is, and I, I, a few seasons ago, I was lucky enough, I think it was about 2011, 2012, 2012 probably, I was lucky enough to go to Herzegovina, Herzegovina? Oh. Where I did have got there, Herzegovina. No, not Herzegovina. It, it's it's Herzo, <laughs> some, it's Herzo basically. Um, Herzegovina is a fucking country in the Baltics, isn't it? Um, a place in the Baltics. Um, Anyway, the, the point, my point with this is I saw the feedback process that AC Milan went through um, to get their kit to the point where they wanted it. And very often, so we spoke to the designers and we were told, look, we take a brief from the club. We go back with a couple of designs. We take a brief from the players. We take a brief from the coaches. We take all these kind of things and we take all that into, um, into account. And then we, we, you know, we, we release it through the club. And so the club get a lot of input. And I think Adidas, the club, certainly get a lot of input. So I imagine that though we're saying it's a conservative kit, I imagine the feedback initially from United would have been, look, we've had solid kits for a few years. Let's stick with that and, you know, just just make sure that we maybe hark back to our last partnership, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there was a lot to be said there uh, for the design of it. And the fact that, you know, it's not like the designer just goes, there we go, got it. There's sort of a process. And I remember a few years ago, seeing Seydorf feedback on the kit for AC Milan where they had a few seasons later they had the big white collar and the quite bold thick stripes and he was sort of saying that he he liked the um the thinner stripes and the the, the more numerous stripes uh and but he, he liked this kit and so they were sort of saying well you know we have to sort of change the kit up for the club etc cetera, etc cetera. and so I think Adidas are in a place where you know people obviously see their stripes on it but they also have to take into account that it's being built for somewhat of a football institution that was probably a longer answer than i warrant but you get the point i like it i like it um next question uh jack mr mike smalling on twitter says will an english player ever win the ballon d'or uh yes yeah not for a long long time right right i think raheem sterling is going to have an excellent season i don't think he's going to be ballon d'or-esque but i think he will be spoken about in the top echelon of players. I just don't think there's anything special enough. I think the Kaká, Messi, Ronaldo, 
ilk. I think they're just, you know, they're obviously the, the standard, and I don't think there's any British player at the moment that's like that, really, to be quite honest. Sterling is, yeah, you're probably your nearest, but I just don't think they're good enough. Interesting. Okay, next question is from, you're going to love this one, Lawrence. It's from uh, Shay, Shreyas Mishra, who says Suarez or Aguero? The eternal question. Um, you want to answer that, Lawrence, or you want to just let, toss it over to Dave? Did it really say the eternal question? No, I added that. Okay, great. That would have been, that would have been hashtag the eternal question. Um, I'm going to have to go Suarez. I just find him slightly more exciting to Amen. watch. Amen. Dave, so just you're... slightly more, there's an unpredictable nature. Don't know that. It's got to be Aguero, isn't it? I'm joking. It's Suarez, but I'd oh. say Aguero because he's, he's a little bit more, I don't know, he's more explosive. Like sometimes yeah. when he does stuff, shoots off his left foot, ping top corner. Whereas Suarez is more of you like a bit slower, you know, a little bit less explosive, let's say. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Luca K, Dream Shake, has come out on Twitter and he said, "Do you think tr- the transfer window should end before the opening fixture?" Someone Jose Mourinho sort of said this week. Um, it's merely a distraction for players and managers. Dave? Well, no, it's not. Yes, because people still. What? 100%. I think it's got to shut before the start of the season. People like Louis Van Aal haven't bought a centre-half yet. Lawrence, are you going to disagree with this? I think it should be open all year round. Ooh. Old school. Uh, yeah, I like it old school. I I think... Mental, though. That was, that was no good. You could just buy anyone at any time. It was very... Amazing. Imagine that. Midway through the season, just this sort of... Uh, oh, hold on a minute. Liverpool have bought... Or United have bought... Or, you know... Who do you need? Get him. And I, I'm, I'm joking. I'm being trite, but I think um, I think it would change the way that managers deal with the summer, wouldn't it? So think about it. We'd be looking at the closing of the window now. Yeah, we could. We'd, we'd, the Twitter Twitter would just stop being stupid at the moment. Twitter is yeah, but, oh, yeah, but, linked with him. Yeah, but, he's moving here. Yeah, he's Dave, doing this. He's yeah, but doing Dave, that. Dave. Yeah, no, Dave. I get that, but the point is that's Twitter. That's not the real world. Yeah, but I, that's, I can handle that. It, it, it's linked, it's linked the to the real world. world. I can handle that for two months, but anymore, I just start to lose my mind. And just, oh, but Dave, again, I mean, you're complaining Ryan about... Ryan Sterling to Liverpool, that's rubbish. <laughs> Dave, you're complaining about something which is... Uh, I know, which doesn't need to be that way. You know, there are a lot of Twitter accounts, there are a lot of ITKs, those kind of things that we go through every... I don't even bother looking at so many of them because you think, well, you know, the only place I get my transfer news is uh, the rumor rumorator but uh, apart from that nice. you know there's there's also there's also the fact that i think um basically managers need to see their players in competitive matches and see whether a they're good enough for the team or b those players need to go and i think that you know that's why it crosses over a little bit you know a bit of time where you're not playing and a bit of time where you are playing and the whole point is you're supposed to see them in competitive games where they're fully fit and you're also able to let other guys see their own teams and think, wow, I need a Mario Balotelli. I need a, you know, Phil Jones. I need a et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's the way that it's structured right now isn't perfect, but I think we're, we're closer and there are reasons why. And if a manager can't manage his squad within the season, especially with the transfer windows crossing over with those, then there's something to be looked at, but it's probably the manager. Um, let's try and whip through a few quick questions before we go. Uh, to the talking points um, Ryan Date asks what are the best players in the world that are looking for a move this summer um, Lacazette is apparently a player who, who said he, he wants up and out of Leon. Liverpool apparently interested but I can't see that one happening because they've got about 20 strikers on their books yeah. Lacazette probably you know one of the better players in the world looking to, to move clubs any other suggestions 
Maybe S- uh, Sergio Ramos. Oh, Ibrahimovic. Where is he going to go? Apparently, he's going to announce go by anywhere. today, wasn't it? Wednesday. Maybe back to Milan. I'd love to see him go back to AC. Yeah, that'd be excellent. Oh, what, what did he, he actually back to say? AC, that'd be amazing. What did he actually say? He said, it's, "Oh, it's going to be a surprise or something." It's going to, you know, it's going to. I'm going to transfer myself to Stockholm. <laughs> that would be quite a surprise. Um, next question: Can Chelsea win the Champions League this season? That's from Redis. I'd say yes. no. Because, I'd say no because of the weaknesses we outlined earlier in the in the in the Premier League. But I mean, you're going to say yes, Lance. It's a, it's a restrict. No, they can. Doesn't mean they will. It's a restrictive <laughs> squad, isn't it? I think is they they are restricted a little bit by their their tiny tiny team. That um, you know, we, I mean, we we saw what happens with tiny team in uh, a Christmas Carol, and I think it's going to be the same. You know, they're going to be ultimately well hamstrung. Made. Strong argument. Um, tiny final team. Final question. I'm going to pick the poor final poor tiny team. Is <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> It is from Sam there are Wil- a lot, aren't there? Sam Wiltshire. And he says, which club do you reckon has done the best business this summer and why? <sighs> Who wants to go for it? Dave? Is this just Premier League or is this the world? Yeah, world. Oh, it's got to be Juventus really, hasn't it? Signings, fantastic. They've replaced what they've lost. Um, but... Yeah, it's got to be Juve. You know, Dybala coming in, um, you know, Kadira coming in, even though he's been injured. Mandzukic coming in, Ragani coming back from Empoli. They've just done very, very well. With the, and they have lost Vidal, but they've sort of got a replacement there in Paul Pogba that I think should be playing at the tip of the tip of their diamond, potentially. Um, it's just going to be an interesting year for them. Premier League-wise, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I don't think anyone's done outstanding business, to be quite honest. Everyone's raving about Man United's 25 midfielders that they've bought, but then again, they haven't bought any centre-backs. I've banged on about 20 million times in this one podcast, and it's still not happened. It's almost <laughs> and they've not strengthened up front. It's almost as if Louis Van Gaal's not listening to the front three. So what is wrong? I just don't get it. What's he doing? Someone someone tell him. Someone go to a press He's conference a and fan, tell him, hey, have you, have you listened to this yet, pal? Right, come on. Let's move on to the talking points to wrap up this week's show. The last. What about, no, whoa, 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 whoa! Finish it well. Come on, Adam. Wait, wait, wait. Do you guys have a specific match that was the most memorable game you have ever seen? Um, that's a really good question, Lawrence. And that's I, from Hugo. I intentionally avoided it because we were running out of time, and I thought, you know what, we better move on to talking points. But I know you've jumped in there, so we have to answer. Yeah, I've jumped uh, in there, Dave. Dave, you got any shouts? Memorable match you've watched in person? Does that mean, or just like? I'm going to say in person, yeah. Um, go on, tell, tell me one more time just so I can, I can envision it as you, as you say it to me. Give me this question. Um, it's from Hugo. And Hugo, thanks for your question, says, do you guys have a specific match that was the most memorable game you have ever seen? For me, personally, and it, there's a lot of games that are memorable from Euro 96. I can't... They seem... You know, uh, Scotland. It was when uh, mm. we beat Scotland. Fantastic game. Really, you know, first time England, I was old enough to see England doing well. Amazing. But it was that semi-final where Gaza, you know, how far was he away from poking that goal in an inch or something? The penalties getting missed. I'll never forget that. That's, you know, that's when you became an England fan after that game, wasn't it? That was just unbelievable. That's the point. That is incredibly yeah. memorable for me. That pain. The pain is stuck in my memory forever. Um, also, the one where, again, oh, go on, go on, go on. What I'm going to say is the day after England went out of Euro 96, our teacher, was that the day? Yeah. England went out of Euro 96 and I was in year two at school. I think you've told us before, but please carry on. 
Wait, where's the connection? No, no, please go on, go on. I was in year two at school and the, the teacher played football's coming home and the child next to me cried. <laughs> and we all... What a win. We all sort of sat there and everyone was a bit like, uh, is Callum crying? And it was like, yeah, Callum's crying. And it was like, oh, probably best for Callum to leave the room now. And it's sort of like watching <laughs> this out, kid Callum. walk out and you're like, that was a bit weird. <laughs> poor lad, poor lad. Davey, poor kid, poor, and his name really was Callum. So. Dave, you got any particular? Callum, if you're listening, it's all right, mate. I've got many, many games. Oh, I, I like quite. Right. What was a big one in my memory when Kaká tore apart Man United on his bill, um, made Evra and Hines run into each other. The, the most memorable one though has got to be the Paul Scholes winner in the semi-final of the Champions League. That game was immense. Tactically, it was fascinating. Had a brilliant goal to win the game. And obviously, he went to the Champions League final after that. Lawrence. Were you there for that game, Dave? Yeah, I was there for the... Um, so, for the, I had a season ticket from 2007 to around 2012, I think. So, I watched, I watched the absolute glory years of Ronaldo, Tevez and Wayne Rooney. Um, Jeez, also, had the, really interesting, though. The Champions League sem- semi-final against Schalke... Now, that was a game that you could forget. I tell you what, that was rubbish. If that happened now... Lawrence, you got any uh, particularly memorable games? Uh, A lot of games from the Euros. I went to the Euro. I pretty much watched... I mean, I watched a good 50% of the games at the Euros live in 2012. That was the last Euros. Um, That was pretty incredible. I would say... um, the, the, uh, some very memorable Spain games. Spain just thrashing a few, you know, smash, smashing uh, sides on the way to the final. Uh, Germany were imperious in that tournament. I'd say it was mainly the Germany and Spain games that were the exciting ones. Uh, any game you've been to with Germany fans, you probably know they're actually very good fans, very loud, um, very sort of up for a, a bit, not, not banter, but just a bit of back and forth. <laughs> uh, and you quite enjoy them. I'd, I'd say maybe some Germany games from Euro 2012. Good stuff. It was a very good question. I'm glad you jumped in with it. Um, I'm glad you rudely interrupted. <laughs> As I was saying, the talking points. We're going to move on to the talking points for just one more. Qu- oh, sorry, mate. No. My uh, talking point is very, very important, and it concerns. Did you say so yourself? The front three. <laughs> Right. Uh, basically, we have been talking about in the last couple of weeks what we're going to do when the season starts. So we've been doing podcasts every Wednesday, sort of middle of the week. It allows us to catch up on the news, all this sort of stuff. But when the season starts, should we still be podcasting on Wednesdays? That's what I want to ask the people. Should we out still there. be podcasting at all? Is Ooh, this trial period question. over, guys? But should we be podcasting on Mondays to the people, you guys out there listening? Do you want us to? take apart all the weekend's action, analyze yeah, you're it. You're right, we should quit while we're ahead. You're right. Thanks <laughs> for the feedback. This was great. But, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could go either way this, but I'm, you know, I'm putting out, you know, there's a lot of our podcasts doing that, but do you want us to see Which, us do that? Would you rather have us continue on Wednesday, sort of looking back at the weekend's action, looking forward to the weekend to come? Would you rather it Thursday, Fridays to recap the, the Champions League stuff when it comes back? Like where we're at right now, Adam. I like. I don't want Lawrence, us to change the structure. Um, this we is don't what I'm saying. Change the structure, but just the day. I the don't day. want to review game. I don't want to review all the games. I don't want to preview all the games. That's what I'm saying. I, I want to do. I, I like the way that we're not always talking about everything that goes on on the pitch. I, I like the 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 news that's going on. The the tumble, the hubble bubble of the the toil and that trouble is. 
that is a valid opinion, <laughs> Dave. Have you got any thoughts on when we should be doing it? This really, I don't. Mind. I don't mind. I'm I'm open to any day. So you've every night, night free. Actually. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> no. Um, at Monday night, I can't do Monday night actually because I play football. Okay. So you're okay. going to be ruining my dreams of being a star. So it's the front. So two, comment below Monday Lawrence. night. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Imagine if Adam just went alone and he just did Target, <laughs> man. And it was just him sitting alone, just doing his little podcast for an hour. Uh, quite a good game this weekend. Uh, Spurs yeah, are really good. Harry Kane What do you, what do you really think, good. Adam? Well, I uh, I think that... Uh, yeah, thanks, Adam. Thanks, yeah. Great point, mate. Uh, no, so anyway, maybe... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. let us know. Uh, a point really well made with uh, some great looks at the same time. Yeah, thanks. Unbelievable. <laughs> Good looking as well. Modest too. Um, listen, we need your tweets. We want your suggestions. When do you want us to hear? When do you want to hear the front three? Is it still on the Wednesdays? Is it the Mondays? Is it the Fridays? Let us know what you think and we'll take it all into consideration uh, ahead of next week when we'll no doubt be still doing it on Wednesday. But anyway, it'll be good to hear from the people um guys i don't know if you guys have any talking points briefly to wrap it all up um dave's got a big one hasn't he let's try and wrap it up in a couple of minutes oh, okay. okay let me so, let me very quickly ask um uh, has anyone got any podcasts that they will recommend listening to as the season is getting back into it mm. again I, we obviously get the normal rotation of the yes. guardian football ramble you know i mean those guys are better than us I, I but, have... you know, go don't go and listen to them. Yeah. But you get your rotation, and then <laughs> Just last night, last night someone uh, followed me on Instagram, which was who was that? That was um, Danger Zone Pod. I listened to Ooh. a little bit of them, and I, I like what I heard. They did a season preview. They intensively took apart all the clubs. They took apart the backline of Chelsea in the first few minutes. I was sitting listening, like, how the hell are we going to top this? <laughs> and it was good. Like I can recommend it. Danger Zone Podcast. They've got their own Instagram. They've got yeah, a website. Where the hell is it? Where the hell's our website? Hey, um, I mean, probably down to me, that mate. I, I'm, I work in tech. Sorry, mate. You really? Apparently, yeah. But by then, day, then, product manager. All, by night, stat man. But then um, there's also uh, there's also what else is there? There's uh, the the, um, oh, the offside is, rule. The off oh the offside rule is a great podcast. Yeah, very good podcast. Uh, what else? There's the one from America, which is the uh, one that begins with H. Uh, 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 the hell is it? <laughs> it. Uh, do you guys not know that the magazine that comes from America is called ha <laughs> the <laughs> wait a minute I, I've got it here the football podcast no, yeah it's the podcast Dave you're right podcasting <laughs> is my favourite thing you're not talking about men in blazers though <laughs> I'm no, I'm, no I'm definitely not talking about men in blazers um, uh, yeah uh, wh what is it it's Oh, it's yeah. a giant H. Anyway, their logo is a giant H, and it is, um, it's really good. Where the hell is it? I don't know. Let me, see if, let me see if I can find it. Fitting listening for the listeners. This. Anyway, you I, can my, cut my, it down. <laughs> my suggestion was going to be uh, the second captains, which I've mentioned before. Irish oh. Times podcast, really informative, very funny as well. They do two podcasts. One is, um, you know, football based, one is sort of Irish sports and American sports based, but. Definitely listen to the full one. You won't regret it. Mainly listen to the front three, though, of course. Uh, Lawrence, if you don't tell me this podcast in the next five seconds, I'm, I'm moving on. Uh, I'm just right. Googling football magazines. Uh, Dave, you take it away. I'll tell you. <laughs> He'll tell you at the end of the show. Dave, come right. on, talk, to talk to me about the Oh, baby. Howler. Howler. The Howler. The Howler. Oh, I knew that. Oh. Howler. So sorry, Howler. Uh, it's, a, it's a great little podcast. Um, and sometimes I listen, I'm like almost envious of the things they're doing. It's that good. 
Laura, will a, people feel the same about us, Lawrence? Probably it's a producer, not. you listen to it and you go, oh, I wish I'd done that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, that, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, that's, that's when you know it's good. It's when cute. you go, oh, I wish I'd done that. Uh, Dave, talk to me about the offside rule. Okay. So the offside rule has changed. It's different. Oh. It's evolved. So I'm going to go back to the, re- the, the offside rule from last season. So it is not offence in itself to be in an offside position. Sorry, let's fucking start that again. That was shite. Okay, no, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not cutting out, Sorry. but I mean, carry on. <laughs> cut it out, cut it out. You're so, right, let's start, let's start again. Put it in the bin. Right, so a player is in an offside position if he is nearer to his opponent's goal line than both the ball and the second to last opponent. So, so that that's means offside. that's simple offside. Then. That is simple offside. So if the, if his head, his body, or any of his feet are, are nearer to the opponent's goal line than the second to last defender, they are offside. So okay. what we saw last season was a number of contentious decisions, such as one matters goal uh, against Stoke City in the Premier League. It was a wide free kick whipped in, um, and it didn't touch anyone; just went straight in. But Rojo made an effort to head the ball at who was in an offside position, but the goal was given. So let's go to the new rule. The new rule says, a player in an offside position shall be penalised if he makes an obvious action which, is, which clearly impacts on the ability of an opponent to play the ball. So in this instance, Rojo's jump at the ball to try and flick it on impacted the goalkeeper's ability to play the ball, thus was offside. There's a few other instances last season that... Um, you know, have, have, have sort of, will sort of change their meaning. Another one that will stay the same, sorry, is uh, any instance where a player doesn't make that move. So, for example, the Kevin Morales goal against Man United. So what happened there? Ross Barkley was in the centre of the pitch. Lukaku runs in behind in an offside position um, and leaves the ball and it goes through to uh, Kevin Morales on the left-hand side. That is not offside because Lukaku is not impacting on any of the defender's ability to get the ball. But we have other instances, such as um, Man United versus Sunderland. Okay, so this goal, basically what happened, Sunderland played it into the right-back zone. Uh, Valencia had the ball, but was pressurised by Conor Wickham, who was in an offside position when the ball was played, thus affecting the play, thus affecting the, the player's ability on the ball to get rid. That goal would not stand. So that's the slight change. Basically, to summarise, if you make a move at the ball, from an offside position, such as from a free kick or whatever, and it goes directly in, the goal will be ruled out. But anyway, that was a bit boring. Does, I'm sorry. Is, is that, no, it's not boring. It's that. interesting, though, it. isn't it, Dave? I mean, mm. but what about the idea that, uh, I, I mean, is, is that not open to some sort of sub, I mean, subjective almost? 100%, yeah. I, I Personally, if I was the rule makers, I would take it back to its... To, to the, the original offside trap, which is the offside rule, which is if you're offside, you're offside. None of this not interfering with play. If you're offside, you're offside. There's certain laziness about that. You know, Ruud van Nistelrooy brilliantly destroyed the, the new rule with, you know, his standing in an offside position and the ball would go wide and he'd come in and he'd tap it in. Abused the rule massively. Um, and I think that we've got to sort of penalise that and stop that. And I think that it's basically black and white if you go down the old the old offside rule now with all this additional guidance and all this rubbish. It just seems like they've made a mistake in in the rule that they've set. But I don't know. I mean, I I, I quite appreciate it because it makes the game means the defenders especially have to be a little bit more aware, doesn't it? Because you know we, we've seen, like you say, we've seen that happen quite a lot. 
you're sort of gaining a massive advantage though. If you're holding a holding a line of if your four defenders and then Ruvan Nistelrooy is sitting out behind your centre backs in their blind pa- their sort of in their blind spot, and then the ball does go wide, and then he then you've basically got to turn, find out where he is, and then mark him again in the box. You're getting a massive advantage as an attacker, in my personal opinion. Yeah. So you what you what you're saying is that the, the rule is to. I mean, this rule is making it slightly more conservative because actually, you know, before some players were being used maybe to impede people's movement or to, um, yeah. to also sort of put someone off almost. So, you know, if yeah. they made a, a swipe towards the ball and it didn't go, but they were offside, then someone else tapped it in, then that would be um, considered not offside, right? So, yeah. uh, so, so there was, this is maybe dealing with that a little bit more than uh, players running off and on, which is obviously not really against the rules right now. So it's... I don't know. It, it deals with some of the grey areas, and it almost it puts the responsibility on the referees yeah. to, to to deal with it more consistently. I guess. Mm. Yes, let's Adam. Wrap, Adam's like, mm, let's wrap up now. No, no. I was just finding I was finding a comment of the week because you know oh. I just felt yeah. bad. I, I like that part of the show. I like pointing yes. out the best comments to insult Lawrence. No, not necessarily insult yeah. Lawrence, but just the best comments. Um, my late <laughs> shout for comment of the week is uh, Simon underscore D on SoundCloud who said another awesome episode, guys. Best podcast out. I live in Australia, so this always keeps me up to date with all the football gossip. No, keep it up. Lovely. We will keep lovely. it up, Simon. That was episode 16. Simor? Is yeah, that Simor? Yeah, S-I-M-O-R. That is an amazing name. I'm naming one of my kids Simor. Simor, <laughs> that is a great You're name. definitely not. But anyway, that wraps up episode 16 of The Front Free. I think that was a great episode. And thank right. you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know when you want us to do The Front Free next week. Is it Mondays? Is it Wednesdays? Is it Fridays? All that good stuff. Lawrence, where can the good people find more of your work? I just go online and Google Lozcast, L-O-Z-C-A-S-T. And Dave, where can people find out what you're up to? Well, usually I live on Twitter. At oh, really? Dave. You know, usually I'm down there dropping tweets out. Another quick a bit of a corker one about one matter this this week, if you want to drop a little retweet on that. Yeah. Much appreciated. But yeah, at Squawker Dave, S Q U A W K A D A V E. Can I just mention the Juan Mata just before while we go on? Adidas have done you know Adidas have done the whole be be the difference thing with Manchester United. Yeah. They've done they've done a picture of Juan Mata running up the steps under in the inside of Old Trafford. You know, Old Trafford's now been redressed with all the United, uh, the United mm. and Adidas dressings. And now they've got Juan Mata running on the inside of the stadium. It's like, this is ours. And I just, it just evoked, he's running alone on the inside of the stadium. You just think, have they trapped him in there? And they just won't <laughs> let him out until he kind of, until, no, he, when, until you're fit, you're you not coming out. Uh, anyway, Adam, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood or on YouTube at the Football Republic, which is the channel I'm doing with uh, a lot of different people, including Lawrence and Dave. Presenting my first ever video last week, which was. Uh, you know, I leave your thoughts there. But anyway, thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market for listening to episode 16 and we'll see you next week for episode 17 bye bye see you <laughs> <laughs>